Hello and welcome to the Mighty 90s Movie and TV Podcast. I'm Simon and just before we get into this episode, in case this is the first time that you have heard of us, I just want to let you know how we operate. So we are a traditional audio-based podcast that focuses on 90s movies and TV shows. Half of our episodes is myself, Simon, and my co-host Dom going through these 90s movie and TV shows, reminiscing, going through, analysing, scene-by-scene, reviews, trivia, all of that good stuff. And the other half of our episodes, we're lucky to be joined by cast members or people from the crew or production, from the movies or TV shows that we're covering to hear their perspective on things. So we've decided that now, going forward, if we have an episode where we're joined by a cast member or someone from production etc or just a guest in general that we are going to also release the video content of that onto youtube so regardless whether we have a guest on or not we will always release the audio content onto all of the major podcast platforms so you can find our podcast on itunes spotify stitcher iHeartRadio, anywhere you can find podcasts you'll be able to find us under the mighty 90s And we have a great back catalogue on there as well with special guests on that we just weren't clever enough at the time to record the the videos. We can't share the video, but if you want to go back and listen to some of those, we had Rule D. Lewis, who played Junior Bevel in Cool Runnings. We've had Brandon Baker, who played Johnny in Johnny Tsunami. We had Matt Doherty, who played Averman in the Mighty Ducks trilogy. Marcus Toji, who played Marcus in The Little Giants. And then loads of other episodes that we've done that it's just me and Don. So if you'd like to find any of that stuff or any of the audio of the podcast, you can find all of that wherever you find your podcast. If you enjoy it, please rate, review, subscribe. Let us know what you think. Let us know of other guests or movies you'd like us to cover. And hope you enjoy this episode of The Mighty 90s. <laughs> Hello and welcome to The Mighty 90s Movie and TV Podcast. I'm Simon. I'm Dom. And I'm Big Bang Michael Lasky. And on this episode, we are diving in to Three Ninjas High Noon at Mega Mountain. Hey! So hello and welcome to the Mighty 90s movie and TV podcast, where it is always 10.30 at night, so it's time to grab the sweets from the sweet cupboard move upstairs and settle in as tonight's movie for debate is Free Ninjas High Noon at Mega Mountain. Dom and I are incredibly honored today as we have Mike Alaski II, I read on the credits, uh, here to talk to us about the movie and to talk about all the other cool, amazing things that he has going on. So Mike, thank you so much and welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure being here, guys. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, absolute pleasure. I mean, immediately we can see all the cool stuff in the backdrop there. But before we get into that, we have you've got an an incredible story and career, and incredibly active, literally, physically, and uh, you know, in terms of everything you have going on. So, can you tell us tell us about what's going on now? So, you are an active MMA fighter. Yeah, strange that kid. You know who played uh, who played Colton Three Ninjas. Um, actually grew up and stuck with martial arts and now, now punches people in the snot locker for a living. Uh, well, partially. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so I, I mean, I've been doing uh, I've been doing MMA for a while now. Um, obviously, after after Three Ninjas, um, I kept with martial arts all my life, and um, you know, it's just it, when you're in martial arts for so long, you get to the point where you know you you, you want to start to really apply the stuff, and the only real way to do that responsibly <laughs> is to is to get into the sport of MMA. I mean, I guess I could just beat up people on the street, but that, that seems irresponsible and unheroic-like. Um, so, you know, we live in a time now where you can actually get into an MMA cage um, and, and test your skills, test your metal, and that's, and that's really what I wanted to do. Um, and I've had some pretty good success on it. You know, you can find all my, all my fights online and some of the fight highlights and stuff like that. We have fun doing it. And uh, yeah, I mean, this coming January, I'm fighting for the 205 title in Las Vegas um, against a fellow Power Ranger alumni, Blake Foster, the Blue Turbo Ranger. So this MMA fight's like Ranger versus Ranger because, you know, I mean, we know we're talking about Three Ninjas today, but uh, I also have a history of, of another classic 90s show known as, known as Power Rangers. So, so, so cool. And so much already <laughs> to unpack there. So before we, before we get to your upcoming fight, uh, I see online that you are a, a five-time champ. Yes, correct. Um, I I'm won uh, the MMA welterweight title um, in the state of Utah four times, um, one time at lightweight. Um, at one point ranked number one in the state and third on the West Coast of the United States. Wow. So I guess you could say grandpa taught me well. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like he did. I uh it makes me want to think what happened to Rocky and Tum Tum. I feel like Rocky's must be an accountant and maybe Tum Tum's a chef or something. <laughs> <laughs> I do I do think that like if if you did a, if you were to go through a story of uh, of what those of what the three ninjas are when they are adults. Um, I, I, I would imagine that, uh, that, that Tum Tum opened up some kind of like, uh, like dessert store or something like that. Um, Rocky's, I, I would imagine Rocky's like on his second marriage with like four kids. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I always imagine Colt would have entered the military, special forces or something like that, man. That kid always seemed to be a little, uh. A little punky rock star so that's that's what i imagine for him in my mind's eye at least i love i love that i love that well before we get into the free ninjas just to stick on to the your uh, your mma stuff so the fight is in uh, in las vegas is uh, is there like a pay-per-view or how can people access it to watch the fight yeah so there will be an online pay-per-view um and uh you will be able to access that uh obviously though we're a little far out for that all to be set up i wish i could give you guys a link right now but um that's probably going to come out i would say a month or so uh before the actual fight itself um and then uh it should be re-aired um post live on a network known as bn here in the states um i don't know if i don't know if you guys will have access to it for free in that way in the uk but um, you should have access to the live stream either way. So, Awesome. Very cool. Well, even, you know, if, we, if you don't have the links by the time we release this, if you send us the links when you do have it, we'll definitely put that out on our socials and website and all of that stuff. And anything we talk about here, we'll put all of the links in the description so that people can catch up with you and, you know, stay up to date. 
Perfect. That sounds exciting, man. I mean, it's going to be a fun fight. Blake Foster is like, you know, he walks around at six feet tall, like 240 pounds. The heaviest I've fought at was at, uh, at welterweight, which is 170 pounds. Um, so it's going to be, it's going to be a real test of, of my martial arts prowess. So it should be a good fight. Have, right. you, have you really had to, to bulk up and um, to, to kind of match that weight level and, and really get to where you need to be for that category? Yeah, so I mean that's a, that's a good question, and it's it's interesting for me to go through it as well because usually I use Fight Camp to whittle down in weight to make sure that I can make weight and everything like that. With this camp, I have to actually bulk up while I'm training for it. So you know, I'm I'm literally pausing in between workouts to consume food. I call it just gurgitating because I'm not like enjoying it and working out on like a heavy, thick stomach is like the grossest thing in the world. But it's a brand new experience for me. Um, so we've, uh, Blake walks around at around 240. Um, I walk around at about 185. So we agreed on a weight of uh, light heavyweight, which is 205 pounds, um, you know, which is a good cut for him. It's a good beef up for me. It's going to be an interesting fight. I don't know how it's going to go, um, <laughs> except for that he's going down faster than the ratings of Power Ranger Turbo. I know that. Nice. <laughs> Well, once uh, once you've won that fight, I actually already have your next fight lined up for you because Dom oh. here is actually a black belt, and uh, he actually he actually told me that he he thinks he could um, he could kick your uh, kick your ass. Uh, <laughs> is that the case there, Dom? <laughs> this is this is why I'm now hoping you never come to London. <laughs> He's like, I can never get invited now. I tell you what, your name is Dom, but if we ever get in a fight, you'd sure be a sub. Oh. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Dom. I'm just razzing you. I just like to trash talk. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Oh, no, it's dude. cool. I, uh, uh, it, Simon's right. I do, I do do a martial art. I do jujitsu. I've done it for uh, close to twenty years now, which seems. Oh, nice. Japanese or Brazilian? Japanese. Oh, cool. I actually um, got started in Japanese. It's actually what got me started in acting. I was like a six-time world Japanese jiu-jitsu throne champion at the age of eight in the uh, in the age bracket of eleven to twelve. And since I was smoking all the kids, that's that's what caught the eye of like agents and stuff, and that's actually how I got into the business. <laughs> oh, excellent! <laughs> that's yeah. so cool. I have, to, I have to say, I've been to three um, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu slash MMA training sessions before, and on the first right. one, I couldn't move my head for about two weeks after um, because I'd never been choked out so much in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they, they, they definitely work that trap carotid artery space, don't they? Yeah. Push that head down, man. That's why they all exactly. got big this, and walk around. I, like I literally was stuck like this. I could not turn. I had to turn my whole body to look around. It was horrible. <laughs> had to wear a cervical collar the whole time. Yeah. Just looking at you all cockeyed. <laughs> so I'm, I'm very, very envious of, of guys like yourself that can just go in and smash each other up and be like walking around like nothing happened afterwards. Oh God! I mean, I, I think I think if I mean if we're being intellectually honest, uh, that's just a machismo thing we put on. I'm I'm getting my ass kicked every day in training, and I'm walking around just as you do all the time. It's just you know when you have something big coming up, you you don't as uh, um, as Jesse Ventura said in Predator, you don't got time to bleed, right? <laughs> you just got <laughs> to keep pushing forward. Well, as uh, as somebody that 
has no experience in martial arts. Um, I mean, is it something that, do you feel the fear like before you're going into like the cage, like the actual, the fear of, you know, getting hurt and, and all of that stuff, or do you have to literally just block that out? Um, you know, the, the hardest part of fighting for me is in, in the part that I hate the most is the, the, the night before and the day leading up to the fight. Um, I love everything else about it. Like the training, um, it's a great way to get better when you have something on the line. It's definitely puts that fire under your rear end so that, you know, you're training hard and you're making sure that you're getting better. But that once weigh-ins are done, it's just a bunch of sitting around and doing nothing. Because it's not like you can work out. It's not like you can eat a lot or go out to drink. You're still on, like, there's nothing to take your mind away from it. So with that being said, that day leading up to the fight, because your mind is just like rearing over and over again, um, there's definitely a, um, a bit of fear. Fear doesn't feel like the right word because I feel like what I do is I, I think of the situations that I'm afraid of and then I think about how I'm going to get out of those situations. So it's like it is fear, but you're also calming that fear by, you know, using your mental gymnastics to work your way out of those situations. But it's a lot of sitting there being silent and thinking of things over and over and over and over again. But once, those cage, once that cage door locks shut and that bell rings, the fear just disappears. There's no more fear, at least for me. I'm sure everybody's experience is different. But now it's like, it's go time. There's no pulling out now. There's nothing more I can do about it. You know, bahalana, you know, come what may is, is basically uh, once, that, once that ring starts. It's just, it's the waiting around beforehand that just sucks. <laughs> yeah, totally, I, I bet. Well, I mean, so besides, besides that, you also are a uh, teacher of martial arts, right? So you also spend a lot of time doing that. Yeah, I mean, I own, a, I own two different martial arts studios, one in Pleasant Grove, Utah, and another in um, Burbank, California, where I grew up. And, uh, you know, part of, part of being a martial artist is, uh, is not only um, learning the art itself or applying the art itself, but it's also passing on the art to the next generation. So um, these two martial arts gyms really specialize in, in kids and inspiring them. Um, to become the next generation of martial artists, much in the same way I was inspired um, as a kid. You know, you watch, you watch Three Ninjas and you watch Grandpa train the kids. It's basically now, you know, I'm that grandpa, just less Asian, and uh, <laughs> teaching kids, you know, how to, uh, how to uh, you know, kick people responsibly, you know? <laughs> that's, that's really cool. And I guess uh, it gives you you know what's what's next after your fight career because i guess like all athletes it's kind of a, a short-lived career right in terms of you get to a certain point where you have to stop but if you're enabling you know yourself steps to be able to pass that on to yeah the next generation like you said yeah so when it comes to fighting it's never a long it's never a long-term solution it's never a long-term career right um every martial artist has to go over the hump from being an athlete um to becoming a teacher and that's the only way that you're going to stick with martial arts for life is if you eventually teach it um, because there gets to a point where you know you can always learn more but you, you tend to be the the biggest fish in the pond eventually um, and then after the accolades from fighting and applying, 
Um, there's not really much else to do. If you love martial arts, the only way you're really going to practice it is by trying to make other people as good as you so that you can get better. Um, martial arts is like the world's first multi-level marketing program because, you know, in essence, you're not only giving kids um, responsibility, discipline, as well as understanding fitness, um, but you're also creating uh, people, a, a way of life for people in the future. You know, that my kids, I, I tell them every day that I am training you today with the, expect, the expectation that one day you may open up a martial arts school and I want that martial arts school to be as fantastic as the culture that I've created at mine. Do, do you um, follow a particular discipline and teach a particular discipline or is it a, a combination of, of different martial art and backgrounds or yeah, what, what are your I, schools I have, offering? I have, I, have, um, I have the accolades or I should say the certifications from over 17 different styles of martial arts um, that, that I've kind of blended into uh, one experience for kids. So we have like a kickboxing class um, that is sort of a hodgepodge of a curriculum that I've created based on um, what my experience has been in the cage, combinations that tend to work the best, movements that tend to work the best. Um, and then we kind of diverge off into individual styles of martial arts. So as a, for instance, my, uh, my adoptive parents, Ron Balicki and Diana Nassano, are pretty much legendary in the uh, martial arts realm. Diana is uh, Bruce Lee's goddaughter, um, daughter of Dan Inasano, who's a super talented martial artist. Um, Ron Balicki, he, he was an MMA fighter, shoot wrestler, he, far before the UFC was even created. Um, so these guys are, are paragons, and I, I, own, I owe all of my martial arts uh, uh, knowledge to them. And uh, in the same way that they gave me everything that they were, I'm, I'm giving kids everything that I am. Um, so from that, we are, I guess you can say we are the, the hipsters of mixed martial arts because, you know, UFC came out in 1993, but Bruce Lee has been mixing martial arts since like 1969. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So that's, that's a great, great answer. And it's great to hear that um, different disciplines are being used and, and you're kind of using all of your knowledge and experience and what's been kind of passed down to you you're passing down to the future generations of martial artists which is great which is kind of what you know uh, I, I try and do as well it, not not to the scale that you do it. obviously I do it in a club full of about with about 15 people in it you know nothing nowhere near what you do but I like to think it's a similar kind of um no it's touch. fantastic it doesn't <laughs> matter the scale you know I mean it's 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 not the, it's never been scale it's always been message Right. So if, if you have a good message that reaches one person, the, the message is powerful. I mean, I, I the only reason why I have a bigger mouthpiece is just because of my past career in, in Power Rangers and Three Ninjas. Right. Um, but the message, I would imagine, is very similar. Um, you know, we are sages to that cause of passing martial arts to the next generation. And that's that's really what my calling is. And, and fortunately, my passion for martial arts has given me um a lot of interesting experiences like a childhood acting career like an adult mma career like a like a teenage career of traveling the world and teaching everybody martial arts and knife self-defense from the french secret service to the uh to the dea here in the united states i mean 
what? martial arts has been very fruitful for me and I'm, and I'm quite grateful. And, um, you know, I just hope that it's fruitful for somebody else moving on. Mike, you're the man. I mean, <laughs> but, <laughs> well, I do my best. Well, <laughs> I eat my Wheaties, as the hoaxster would say. I say my prayer, I take my vitamins. So I'm assuming that I get 12 inch pythons, right? That's how, that's how you know you're a man. Absolutely. That's, that's exactly <laughs> it. Well, I mean, before we segue into, you know, how you know, your childhood acting, etc. I mean, this would probably be a great time to talk about your social media stuff because you are very articulate and uh, the way you speak is very uh, like motivational. Like I'm ready to go get in the gym right now. So, I mean, and I love your Instagram. I love all of that. So we'll put all the links to that in the description, but where can people follow you and find you online and everything? Yeah, I mean, geez, guys, I'm everywhere. Um, you know, part, <laughs> everybody asks, like, oh, man, what's it like living a life of the martial artist in the way that you do? And I was like, well, I mean, a lot of it is just social media content. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I'm on every platform you can imagine. Um, I'm on TikTok. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I mean, you name it, I'm there. If you search Big Bang Mike, um, you're, you're probably going to find me. I'm not verified for some reason, which I think is um, kind of bothers me more than it should, but uh, definitely, uh, definitely look me up. Um, one of the things, one of the fun things that we do on Instagram um, and, and the, uh, social media in general is we explore um, the history and culture of martial arts. Um, I always say to my kids, martial arts is more than just kicking and punching. Um, you have the ability to travel the world and learn learn different cultures and about different people um, without ever leaving your backyard uh, just by the way they fight and the weapons that they use. So we really dive into that in my social media. We have this um, this fun new sort of uh, TikTok um, series called uh, Interesting What uh, Inter Interesting Self Defense Tools of History, where we go into like that we take deep dives into like the most obscure uh, weapons that anybody has ever come up with. And some of them are really weird and, and stupid. And some of them are like cool. And like, why don't they use this anymore? Um, we just, we do, we do stuff like that. Then we, we have fun. We dick around. Like, you know, people make fun of me. I make fun of people back. There's a lot of, uh, you know, I have, I have, I have a catch wrestling background in my, in my grappling so of course there's a bit of kayfabe and a little bit of bravado there but it, it's still fun it's all in jest i yeah i love it i i caught one of those today it was like it's the whip it like whips round shields and stuff the one you did. oh yeah the the uh the urami yeah the uh that was the uh what was it the indian uh flexible sword from that that was around the around the Shiranch. Sri Lanka area. Um, yeah, it's, God, I mean, there's so many of them. And I'm, I'm doing most of this from, from just my memory of just like the weirdest things that I pick up. So, um, you know, there, there might be some inconsistencies in there, but man, they're so fun. And like I said, <laughs> you know, there's, there's, uh, there's a lot to be learned from martial arts. It's really cool. So everybody, for sure, look in the description. We'll have all of the links to all of Mike's social media and, and the website and all of that stuff. So get involved, follow him, support him on this crazy journey that he's continuing to go on. So, but now this is a perfect time to take it all the way back. So you are a kid 
Yeah, reel it back all the way. <laughs> you are not big Mike, you're little Mike. And, That's right. And, I'm little bang. Yeah, little bang Mike. How did little <laughs> Mike get into, uh, into martial arts in the first place, which then I imagine led into you, you know, in, getting into Hollywood, etc. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I always, uh, my standard answer, my standard retort to this question uh, is that I've been kicking since I can walk. Uh, I don't really know a time, like I, I don't remember a point in my life where I wasn't doing martial arts or taking martial arts. It's just kind of always been, um, always been a part of me. Uh, my father was a Green Beret in the military uh, here in the States. And I guess, you know, when he had his boy, he was like, he was gonna know how to fight. So um, my father was a black belt in Tang Sudo, um, a, a kick-based martial arts similar to Taekwondo. Um, and he, he started me with that. And then I took my first Okinawan karate class, I think when I was five years old. Um, and then from that, I branched out to Taekwondo and I got my first black belt at 12 years old. Um, so, that's kind of like the long-winded way to say, man, I don't know how I got into it. I just, here I am now and I'm still doing it. So I guess <laughs> I like it. <laughs> it's not a phase. It's, yeah, uh... <laughs> it's not a phase. This is permanent. <laughs> well, and then, so what was the, the first leap into, you know, film or TV? Like, how did that manifest? Yeah, so, I mean, I alluded to, alluded to it a bit earlier, um, but... I was competing at, uh, in Japanese jiu-jitsu in the AAU circuit in the early 90s at about, uh, it was like between six and eight years old. Um, but all I knew is that, all I remember is that uh, they didn't have an age bracket tournament-wise for kids that young. So I, would, I was that young, but I was competing against 11 and 12-year-olds. And for me and my dad, it was just like, we just wanted to compete, right? Because and the only way to do that was just to compete against people bigger than you. Um, but, you know, the thing was that I, that I kept winning these, these throwing champions, these throwing uh, competitions. And uh, I, I think I won like six in a row at that, at that age bracket. Um, and uh, at, in the early 90s, you know, martial arts and martial arts movies were sort of all the rage, right? Jean-Claude Van Damme, uh, Steven Seagal, all of these guys are doing these, you know, these awesome action films. So Hollywood was a buzz for those kinds of things. Um, and so eventually I got approached by people who were like management in Hollywood because I lived like 20 minutes outside of Hollywood all my life. My father still lives in that same house. Um, and uh, they were like, hey, you should get into movies. And also I'm an agent. So they started submitting me for movies and stuff. And I started taking acting classes. Um, and, but martial arts was really the, the parlay into that. Um, and you know, if you, honestly, if you look at the bulk of my, uh, my resume and, the, and my acting career, everything in there has something to do with like the physicality that martial arts gave me. Um, I was mainly an actor that you can depend upon physically. Um, that's how I got the majority of my roles. Well, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but that's really evident in uh, in Free Ninjas because you can tell that you are doing, you know, a lot of, if not the majority of, you know, your own stunt work or, you know, the actual martial arts that's in it. 
and obviously that's uh, a tribute to your skill um which is awesome so but i i have to ask you had you but when you got the role in free ninjas had you seen the uh the other free ninja movies like were you a fan of those beforehand or was that oh, all new yeah. to you absolutely absolutely i mean i was a consummate consumer of martial arts media when i was a kid i mean that's that's part of the reason why um i love martial arts it's part of the reason why i got into acting and it's what i use even to this day to excite kids uh to take martial arts right like Last just last week, we did a um, a whole ninja camp on how to use a sword like Captain America. Like this is, or excuse me, a shield like Captain America. Um, so like the media is always a huge influence on the type of stuff that you want to do and how exciting you are in it. So yeah, I was I was a fan of Three Ninjas. Um, you know, my I literally wanted to be Jackie Chan when I was in Three Ninjas. Um, you know, I had to, I had to fight with, uh, the stunt coordinator and the stuntmen, uh, to try to, to, to try to convince them to allow me to do my own stunts, even though I, I was not as good at the age of what, 13, 14 as the, uh, the stuntmen that they had on there. Um, but I was, I was obsessed with all of that stuff. So yeah, I was, I was real familiar with three ninjas, real familiar, familiar with the character of cult. So I have, I have to, I have to confess something, and this is, oh, no. you know, this is the podcast. This is what we do. So I would be, <laughs> you'd be wrong if I didn't. But my first encounter with this film, uh, it came out in '98. So Dom and I were 11 when it came out, and I was such a purist of the original Three Ninjas. I got it from Blockbuster, real excited, went home, watched it, and I was like, who, who are these people? that is not rocky that's not cult that's not tum tum and it really took me a while to get over that i did get over it and uh, <laughs> and i did enjoy it and it, and 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 i love it i love all of all of the free ninja movies um but has has people ever brought that up to you like as in the fact that they you know obviously changed the actors or did you feel any kind of pressure that you were taken over the reins of the actor that actually went through the you know the the original three movies yeah i mean I, obviously obviously i get that a lot um you know because there's there's the og cult stage and then there was the, there was the new cult stage and one of the things of about the three ninja series is that they the the constant through that series wasn't was uh was the parents was the grandpa and it was cult mm -hmm. but like if you go through the other series typically there are other actors playing the other kids um, so it was those characters that really tried to um, streamline everything through and then kind of just hope that nobody really noticed that they recast Colt and Tum Tum, or Rocky and Tum Tum. Mm -hmm. um, so Three Ninjas High Noon was the first one where they were like, well, you know, the, the original actor, Max Elliott Slade, is, is, you know, he's at that point probably like 18-ish, so he definitely wouldn't, wouldn't work so well in this diehard style. Uh, takeover of kids defending a, a theme park, right? Um, so, uh, so this was the first movie with with all three new kids, and I think it was off-putting um, for for a lot of people um, moving moving into that. As far as like fans, who, diehard fans of that that Three Ninjas 
franchise. I think once all of the kids were replaced, um, that's when it became a little bit despondent for them. Um, but, uh, but I think at that, at that point, they were looking for a new market anyways to kind of take on the franchise. I know there was a lot of talk about a Three Ninjas television series um, and everything like that. And um, I think kind of the, the major criticism I find with this fourth movie um, has, has very little to do with the fact that there's like, oh man, they're not the same kids. What it really came down to was that the story didn't focus as much on the kids as the last story. Um, because we had huge celebrities like Jim Varney, like, you know, Hollywood Hulk Hogan at that time, like uh, Lonnie Anderson. So they really wanted to use that star power and they focused less on the kids. And I think the magic from that series is about these three kids in a situation and they're doing the adult stuff without the adults, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think I think that's um, a little bit of a shame that they focus so much on um, the big celebrity names. I mean, I, I suppose it's one of those where they they probably felt like they had to because it's it's like the, the fourth film in a chain of um, you, you know sequels of a of a little franchise. But um, you and uh, Tom Tom in particular really embodied those characters and and became that. And Rocky kind of he's kind of edging away, isn't he? And that, I think that's kind of the point. Is that he's getting okay. to that age where it's it's more about girls. We don't want to go to grandpa's for summer. We want to learn to drive. We want to um, be with our girlfriend and stuff like that. And 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 you and uh, and and Tum was it Colton Tum Tum in this one really embodied the same kind of theme as you know the the previous actors and and the, really fulfilled the role exactly like the last actors did. So I think that kind of nothing should ever be taken away from from that. I think that's that's quite important. Yeah, I think I think that's what the the fun from the series is is a is a bunch of kids um, taking things super seriously. Uh, you know, it sounds silly, but like one of my favorite actors um, is the late Patrick Swayze because it doesn't matter what film he's in, um, whether it's just a complete Razzie award winning film like Roadhouse or an Oscar winning film like Ghost, um, he his character and, and the way he embodies that character takes that situation with the utmost seriousness, right? Like this is, this is the biggest thing to happen in this person's life, period. And in some cases, it's, it's a bar in, I think, Kansas, or in other cases, you know, it's, it's crossing the threshold of death. Um, and that's the way I really wanted to approach this, or what my, me and my father, let's be real, real, as a child actor, it's not just one person, right? Wanted to approach this with all that kind of seriousness. Um, and what I love about the fourth Three Ninjas uh, in, in particular is we started getting to the point where um, martial arts for kids was definitely a big deal. And a lot of kids were doing it. So you had the ability to cast super stellar martial artists. So when you look at the fight scenes in the fourth film versus, you know, the second or even the first film, um, they're much more intricate, they're much more Jackie Chan style, they're much more, um, they're, they're at a higher level, I think. Um, so, you know, there, there are some criticisms about the movie straying away from the kids, but at the same time, when you actually look at it as a piece of martial arts culture, you can see that martial arts talent really lead through in a very different way um, that was super important in the late 90s. I think you can see like the the skills that, that you three had 
um, and being able to pull your punches at the right time and, and hit the right mark and hit the spot um, and just to have it felt like it was controlled like re- and it wasn't it wasn't stunt people doing it. It wasn't stuntmen taking your place and it being like, suddenly it's this six foot adult fighting another adult. It was, it was you and it was controlled. And, you know, like you said, you wanted to, you wanted to do all your own bits. So it's, it's, that's kind of got a really nice feel to it as well. Yeah. Well, you're close on the, you're close on the kids and the camera was actually able to get in there and be intimate on the kids. So you can see the kids doing the stuff. Um, so they obviously, weren't as much uh, stuntmen uh, as there have been in, in previous movies. And I think that really allowed kids to, you know, the viewer, kids in general, to, co- to connect with it a little bit more. And that's why, you know, as we were talking about, once you get over the initial shock of there being three new actors, it sort of grows on you and you're like, oh man, you know, this is actually like a really fun film. It, it really is. And the, the 90s nostalgia is so strong with it as well. Like I love it is, isn't it? It, uh, watching it back now. It just gives you that feeling of that classic, you know, and the girls doing the, uh, you know, the helicopter thing outside. It's also, yeah. And like the pretend bashing on the keyboards because they're breaking it. Like I love all of that. And, uh, <laughs> Brand new computer. We don't even know what computers are. What do you, how do you, how do you work this? <laughs> it's just a bunch of monkeys on a typewriter. <laughs> but I've got I've got two bits of good news for you, Mike. Okay, the the first one is once I did get over that initial shock, um, you were my favourite character in in that movie, and that says a lot because so Dom and I have known each other since we were about three years old, um, and we're both. 33 now so for 30 years and when we were kids we used to play as free ninjas and Don would always be Tom Tom I would always be Rocky and you're Colt so we actually have the full set here right now yeah. there you are we've got three ninjas guys four strands of ropes bring it in yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh where's grandpa <laughs> <laughs> What? Um, yeah, sorry. Uh, well, let's. Let, so I don't know if you know, but uh, Victor Wong was actually quoted as saying that the fourth movie was his favorite because he said that he thought the the development of the kids' characters uh, was the most in depth. I mean, on mm. that point, I mean, uh, it must have been really cool to work with with him. I mean, what was that like? Yeah, I mean, God, the Victor is just a legend, and he still is a legend, you know. And when you think, when you think about like his body of work, it's it's just insanity, just the level of stuff that he's been in. Um, he was great. He was always super supportive to us. Um, he would uh, just be that wise. Say- the weird thing is that he just was grandpa, like he to us for acting, you know, when he was on the screen, he sort of played our grandpa for martial arts, but when the cameras cut and, you know, we're in between scenes, he became that same exact person for us from an acting position. Um, you know, he would give us advice. Uh, he, would, he would tell us where to switch or how to, or how to, uh, or how to get blocked and everything like that. Um, he was just a real cool dude. And uh, I, I, cherish the ability to have been on screen with him um it was it was brilliant he's such a great guy 
that that's so nice to hear um especially when it's like a beloved person that you know is like you know part of your childhood in like your mind and your heart etc like you always fear that people are then gonna sort of peel the curtain back and say yeah but actually in real life they were a douchebag or whatever so it's so nice to hear when you know the person is you know genuinely you know really lovely so that's great yeah i mean there there are a lot of uh there are a lot of people who can be um you know closeted douchebags um in the industry and unfortunately victor wong isn't one of them same for same for jim varney um that man was acutely aware of how much kids loved him to the point where the dude the dude smoked like a chimney just like pretty much lit cigarettes one after another i mean it's it's no it's no uh secret right he obviously died of cancer from smoking um but he he had this way of just like he wouldn't be caught in a picture with the cigarette uh whenever somebody took a picture of him he'd always like cup it like he'd do this weird magic trick and he'd like cup it so you couldn't see it and everything um i just i and, and that for me really instilled to me as a kid that like being in the public eye is a responsibility um not a privilege right because there are people who look at you um adoringly and to behave in a certain way and it's much like being a martial arts instructor right like i don't get the luxury of you know the luxury of you know streaking down the street on a bad day or whatever right um it's, it's the same thing and uh that really helped me kind of put things into perspective as a kid especially you know when you're cast in a million dollar project you know as a 14 year old um just a burgeoning teenager you can kind of feel like yeah man i'm the boss and then you you see how actual consummate professionals behave themselves who have been in multiple movies and they're still super approachable uh they're still super humble and that really that really affected me and that's you know how i try to live my life now is you know i can I, I punch people in the face, I've traveled the world, I've been in a lot of movies, but man, if you were gonna sit down and have a beer one day and it'll, it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Hopefully we can sit down and have a beer together one day. That would be great. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna make it happen. I got <laughs> Honestly, my wife has been, my wife has been bugging me about getting to the UK and I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm trying. I just don't wanna pay for it. That's all, <laughs> I, want, I want to go and teach or something. I want to go and like, I, I, there's a lot of Comic-Cons out there from Power Rangers and Three Ninjas that'll invite me out a lot of the time. So I was like, we could go out there in that way. That'd be really cool. But, um, but yeah, so that's, that's what we're working on. And if we're, and if we end up out there, you guys better come out and fist bump. We can do, uh, we can, we can, <laughs> we can reenact scenes from Three Ninjas hiding in Mega Mountain if you want. It'd be awesome. I'm ready. That would be awesome. <laughs> I, I have to ask with um with in relation to your co-stars, I did, did you uh did you stay in touch with Rocky and Tum Tum? <laughs> yeah, we did for a long time. Um, you know, I get that question a lot on both Three Ninjas and Power Rangers because everybody that's like the number one question. It's like, oh, do you still keep in contact with them? And I think it kind of comes from a place because like you love this thing and you want to know that these people um, still keep in contact. 
But, uh, you know, unfortunately, as lives move apart, you don't keep in contact as much as you would like. Um, so we, we are all friends. And if we see each other, we'll definitely like high five and hang out and stuff like that. But as far as like inviting each other over for Thanksgiving dinner and stuff like that, we're not that close. Um, you know, my dad owns our martial arts studio in uh, Burbank, California, out of the same space uh, the, the actor J.P. Rusky, who, or James Paul Rusky, um, played, who played Tum Tum, owned that martial arts studio before him. So he, had, he ended up moving to Arizona, I think to get married or something like that. And uh, my dad took over that gym and it's still there to this day. It's, everybody's having fun. Everybody's happy, married, family. I'm married. I, I, I don't have kids myself. I mean, unless you count my martial arts studios, then I have like 100 kids. But... <laughs> That, that's awesome i think that that is in like in the the mind of fans they they expect or want everyone to be in a whatsapp group together and you know, every day you message hey guys just had breakfast hope you're having a great day you know because like you said that is how we you know remember you in in our mind i guess um, no, and it, and it definitely makes sense. Um, you know, I think about that a lot with with some of the media and the content that that I love too. But the way the way to put that in perspective is that, like, you know, I, let's see, Three Ninjas was probably my fourth job ever. Um, do you guys talk talk to the coworkers of your fourth job? Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not really. Um, so, so yeah, that's kind of how, that's kind of how it breaks down. Uh, but yeah, we, I mean, we still all love each other. Uh, we're still cordial. I mean, we follow each other on social media. We'll comment on stuff every once in a while. Um, actually the person that I'm close to most is, uh, Lindsay Felton who played, um, not Amanda, played Jennifer in, uh, Three Ninjas High Noon at Mega Mountain. She's, uh, she's in New York now, uh, still acting, still working. Um, so like whenever my wife and I go out to New York, we always hang out with her. Um, so that's, that's probably the character, the, the actress from the movie that I'm closest with still. That's really cool. I have to ask, did at any point in passing, did you ever meet any of the other free ninjas? Like, did you ever meet Max Elliott Slade? Did you ever have a cult off? No, never, never. I wish, I wish I was able to meet him. Um, you know, I mean, the fun thing about being a child actor is that a lot of the stuff that you're in is the most iconic things of your childhood. So like you get to actually have fun doing the things that are important to your childhood. So like when I was in Power Rangers, that was super awesome. Power Rangers was the biggest television show in, you know, kids television show in history. And I was on it while that was happening. Same with Three Ninjas, Three Ninjas was, a huge franchise that I loved and I got to be in it. Um, but I never got to meet Max. Um, you know, we follow each other on, on Twitter um, and we razz every once in a while. Like one time he tweeted out, he was like, he said something about fighting and I was like, let's do it. Cult against cult. I'm down. I, <laughs> I, was, I, would... I was literally just going to say that, that this needs to be your next fight. <laughs> <laughs> after uh, after Michael Lasky versus Blake Foster, Red Power Ranger against Blue Turbo Ranger, he needs to be a cult off. Cult against cult. Let's make it happen. Just just before you fight me. Right, yeah, just before. Yeah. 
the yeah. day before, and then I was yeah, on the please, day. yeah. <laughs> Ho- hopefully, hopefully, Max is still good at martial arts. <laughs> yes, yes, hopefully, because I think he's um, I think he does something like editing in the industry or something like that. I think he's still in the industry; he's just not acting anymore. That's what I heard, but don't quote me on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's um, that's that's awesome. I mean, we we couldn't talk about this film without talking about. Uh, Hulk Hogan, of course, um, who, I don't know, uh, there's part of me that actually doesn't want to give him any airtime uh, because <laughs> of, uh, you know, controversial things, etc. So without talking on him specifically too much, I mean, as when you were a kid and, uh, you know, working on that film, and this is, you know, probably not, this is probably beyond his peak, but he is still massive, you know, at, right. at, at that point. I mean, how, how was that for you? How did you find, you know, working with him? Um, I mean, the Hulkster was very similar to, um, to Victor Wong. I think Victor Wong was, excuse me, much more approachable. Um, but because the Hulkster was, you know, I mean, it's not, you, you were right. It's not like it was the prime of his career, but, Hollywood Hulk Hogan NWO was still like super high. Um, and, you know, there's a reason why they, they focused so much on him in, the, in that movie. Um, he, was, he was awesome. He was very aware of how people uh, viewed him, how kids viewed him. Um, I just, my, some of my biggest memories of, of him is just him hanging around with other uh, WWE, I think it might have been WWF then, I'm not sure, but like uh, hanging out with other wrestlers and just how freaking massive they were. (laughs) Just all of them. And I just remember like looking up literally to the Hulkster and just like, this is just a huge hunk of beef. And then his friend, The Big Show, was there and he and he was dwarfed by the big show and you just carry around two gallons of milk and you just pour it in and drink it just like <laughs> randomly looking at people but i mean the hulkster you know at that, at that time was like he was he was super nice um and he was super generous to us uh the hulkster found out that um we were the the premiere of the movie was at sony studios um which is hollywood um, and I lived relatively close to Hollywood at that, at that time. It was about 20 minutes away. So, um, so we were, my dad and I were just driving ourselves to our own premiere because, you know, it was pretty close and it's not like we're super big celebrities or anything like that. But the Hulkster found out about it. He was like, he was like, Hey, how you getting to the premiere, brother? Um, and I was like, I don't know. I think, I think my dad's driving me. And he's like, he's like, Oh no, you're not driving me. I'm coming by to pick you up. And he literally drove by all every individual Three Ninjas house and picked them up in his limousine and drove us to the premiere. And then we all got out of the limousine together. So it was a pretty cool experience. He was, he was a nice guy. That's cool. Very cool. Awesome. Uh, this is a, another question that we ask uh, actors and cast members. Um, you can be honest. It's okay. This is a safe space. How many, how many times would you say over your lifetime you have seen that movie? Uh, Three Ninjas? Your one specifically. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't, I, I'm going to say a lot, but I don't even think I can quantify it. Um, 
Well, if I can, I'll give you some context to buy you some yeah. time. The most we've ever heard was from Kate, who played Emily in the original Three Ninjas. She, she reckoned she'd watched it, the original one, over a hundred times. Uh, then we've had some people that um, we had on Rule D. Lewis, who played Junior Bevel in Cool Runnings, and he said he'd only seen Cool Runnings like three times. <laughs> some people that have seen it you know their movies like 20 or 30 times i mean yeah you know i think i think i might be her um so when cool. i was a, when i was a kid not only was i when was i acting but i was a, a competitive martial artist in like at that time it was like forms martial arts so you would do like musical forms it was like really it was kind of like cheerleading but with like a lot of screaming um and one of the things that I would do is I would have to, my dad would make me stretch um, to get my splits down. And I would have to do, I would have to do the center stretch for three sets of three minutes. Then I would have to do uh, the side stretches for three minutes, three sets each side. So there was like a, a period of time where I was just like in the splits for an hour. And what I would do is I would just watch movies. And some of those movies were my movies. Some of those movies were Jackie Chan movies. Some of those movies were, and I would, I would watch the same movies over and over and over again. And Three Ninjas was in that rotation. So when you're that competitive, I had to do those stretches twice a day. I would imagine that I was, that I'm probably, I'm probably way over a hundred of, of watching that movie. Um, yeah, I mean, just those, I'm, I'm fitting, thinking back to my childhood and those childhood stretches with those gray blocks where I'm like sitting on them Van Damme style, just watching <laughs> movies. I probably watched that movie more, more than I care to admit, more than my ego cares to admit. <laughs> <laughs> is there, is there someone that, so obviously Jackie Chan has played a, uh, a big inspirational part of your sort of life and career and martial arts. Um, is there, is he, the main figure obviously you talked about your your parents and and that have right. played a massive part but is anyone from from kind of the uh martial arts slash hollywood side of things influenced you uh, i'm guessing jackie chan is going to be the main one but jackie chan is definitely the main one um uh, i think that like that i was definitely in that rumble in the bronx period um and like oh he does his own stunts right so um, that was that was definitely a huge inspiration for me. Obviously, Bruce Lee. Um, if you if you don't say Bruce Lee is an inspiration to you as a martial artist, you're either a terrorist or you're lying. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, I loved Van Damme movies as as a kid. I think now watching them as an adult, you're just kind of like, oh, that's kind of cringy. But uh, but. I loved Van Damme movies as a kid. I, I recently, like my wife and I went to Thailand for our honeymoon and we stopped by places that we knew we saw in Kickboxer. Um, Van Damme was a big one. Um, Steven Seagal got me interested in grappling um, because I never understood really what Aikido was. Um, I did jujitsu a lot, but Aikido had a, a lot more joint ma manipulations and the way he portrayed that on screen in a combative style I think really like clicked in my head because as a kid, when I was doing jujitsu, it felt really performative um, and it was all about throws. Um, but when I saw him apply those same throws and those same locks in a way uh, that was combative uh, in a combat scene, 
it, it really was like, oh, wow, this is, this is dangerous and I can actually do that. I think a lot of times when you approach things as a kid, you're like, oh, this is play and it's fun. And then you see on screen a bone shatter and you're like, oh man, what I'm doing actually hurts people. <laughs> um, so I think there was like a big shift uh, with, with Steven Seagal um, watching his movies. Um, trying to think of any others. You know, oddly like Chuck Norris, I, I, I performed at Chuck Norris's 50th birthday. Um, as a as a young as a young adult and but like chuck norris for some reason wasn't a huge inspiration to me as much as like just the hong kong cinema golden harvest style pictures right jackie chan sammo hung uh jet lee all of those pioneers i think were uh, a huge influence on me more so than anything else i just hong kong cinema is my jam legend of the <laughs> drunken master i could still watch that to this day they're all they're all fantastic as well uh, just at what they do their craft um between them all uh, i would completely agree the, the steven seagal thing i i agree as well it's just watching him the just the manipulation and stuff that he can do is is amazing i i love films like under siege which we're gonna have to cover um because yeah, it's, it's just absolutely. quality it's just he's just a chef do you know what i mean but he yeah. is, he's a chef that's gonna smash you up so <laughs> Well, and it's great. I mean, you, you expressed having um, having a bit of a, a jujitsu background, so I feel like perhaps you have the same kind of revelation that I did, especially being as somewhat similar in age. I'm a bit older than you guys, but um, but when you see like the stuff that you're doing, and then you see it in like a film set combat scene, you're like, oh wow, the stuff that I do was dangerous. Okay, yeah. maybe I'll take it a little bit more seriously. Maybe I'll I'll whip it a little bit harder, right? Absolutely, yeah. I've I've recently taken a like a really big liking. Well, I say recently in the last sort of few years, taking a really big liking to Donnie Yen. I mean, a really big fan yeah. of Donnie Yen. Yeah, Donnie Yen's great. The whole Ip Man series is fantastic. Obviously, you know Wing Chun. Ip Man has a huge influence on Bruce Lee, and my connection with Bruce Lee is 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 you know pretty well documented. So, uh, I love all of those series as well. I love I love like the historical revisionist taste take the Itman series creates in in creating this person and, and telling the story as a mythological superhero as opposed to like doing some kind of like uh, like realistic take on it right and it's it's, it's a really cool it's a really cool take mm. I, I have a couple multi questions that will hopefully link into this um, okay <laughs> So I'm gonna. Uh, there'll be a couple, and then maybe it'll be better to that you answer them all at the end because they're gonna connect. So oh, okay. So now, so this is a memory <laughs> test. You gotta remember. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, it is. So the um, the Karate Kid movies, awesome. I really like them, but I'm not a martial arts person. So this, they could be, you know, martial arts to the layman. Uh, me being the layman, but the. Uh, but those movies have inspired, obviously now, to have Cobra Kai in, uh, which is one of my favorite current TV shows. We talk about it, uh, well, I talk about it sometimes on the podcast, all the time, all the time, yes, all the time. <laughs> so, but, do you have Do you have a shirt that says Cobra Kai on it? Uh, I have a pin that says Cobra Kai on it. All right, there it is. <laughs> but, but wait, hang on. So you've got to answer these questions. You've got to remember. So the first question is going to be what you okay. think about the karate. No, no, no writing. <laughs> uh, 
right, the first question is going to be what do you know do you like those original karate kid movies the second mm-hmm. question is going to be do you watch cobra kai now are you a fan of that the third question is going to be do you have a cobra kai t-shirt the fourth question <laughs> is going to be so we had like i said earlier we had kate Sargent on who played emily in the original three ninjas and she is a screenwriter and has written out an actual script for a current day free ninjas. And she was trying to get the, you know, 1992 cast to be in it. It didn't work out, blah, blah, blah. Imagine it did work out. And we said, hey, forget Max Elliott Slade, though I'm a big fan, Max. Forget him. And we want we want Big Bang Mike. Would you return to acting or, you know, you know, step away from the MMA to be in that? Those are your five questions. Jesus. Okay. So the first question <laughs> was, uh, do I like, uh, do I like the original Karate Kid? I remember watching the original Karate Kid, um, and I remember enjoying it. Um, I wouldn't say it's a formative movie in in the sense that like it inspired me to take martial arts. Um, you know, the, the thing about Karate Kid is it's such a classic. There's nothing else interesting really to be said about it. Um, I, I was one of those people because I was involved in point karate competition um, who saw the movie. And when I saw him do his crane kick to the head, I was like, that's illegal. I called that like the second I watched it. Um, but I think I remember enjoying it. Uh, I don't. I don't think it was like a bad movie by any means. Um, it was. It was fun. Uh, the second one. Cobra, Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai. Do you like Cobra Kai? Oh, do I like Cobra Kai? You know, I actually. That's the. That's the YouTube movie, right? I mean, it's the yeah. YouTube television show. Yeah. I actually have YouTube Premium, and everybody's been telling me. Like, I just remember everybody telling me to watch it, and I didn't have YouTube Premium yet. And, and I was like, oh, I will when I get it. I will when I get it. And you just reminded me to watch it. So I haven't watched it at all. And I, so therefore, I have no, um, no judgment on it whatsoever. From what I hear, it's absolutely fantastic. And uh, I hear that it addresses a lot of those issues, um, including the one that I just joked about. Yeah. Um, so I thank you for reminding me because I have YouTube Premium and I forgot that that's on it. So yes, I'm absolutely going to watch that now. That is on my quote unquote watch list. Um, <laughs> number four, wait, what were we on? That was just number two. What was number three? T-shirt. 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 Oh, I don't have the T-shirt. I thought that was number four. That was. Right. I don't. Maybe three was. So three three was the T-shirt. Three was the T-shirt. Because oh it was, it was, it was, have you watched Karate Kid? Have you watched Cobra Kai? Have you got the t-shirt for Cobra Kai? Something else. And then would you reprise the role? So I okay. can't remember what four was. So, so we're on, we're on t-shirt. While I'm taking a long-winded answer for this, so that you can remember <laughs> what number four is. Because <laughs> I don't. And you didn't let me write it down. Because I was trying to. And you said no. Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh no i don't own a cobra kai t shirt okay i've remembered 
The fourth yes! one. Yes, perfect. Just enough time. You're welcome. The fourth <laughs> one was I do you like meatball sandwiches. <laughs> I, uh, meatball sandwiches are by far the best sandwich. Um, I call them Italian tacos because that's what they are. Um, <laughs> and they're super delicious. And fun fact, you get a good meatball sandwich with marinara sauce. Uh, even if you go to like a bunk kind of sandwich shop, like Subway, Subway, I don't know if you guys have Subway in the UK, um, but like, but if you go to Subway and you add pepperoni, exponentially better meatball sandwich right away. So meatball sandwich on a nice little bun, um, you get some good marinara sauce in there, um, some mozzarella, and then slap on some pepperoni. Mm delectable done game tap out you're good to go fifth question because that was totally the fourth question uh. <laughs> <laughs> um you know of all the characters that i've played i think i've taken uh, a fancy to cult the most um i think that when i played cult one of the great things about being an actor is that you get to be the type of person uh, that you aren't as a person. So uh, when I watched Colt and the first Three Ninjas, um, he was definitely the type of martial artist, definitely the type of kid that I aspired to be. And that I think I, to a point, emulate now even my adulthood, right? With a bit of bravado, a bit of cockiness, um, you know, uh, a bit aggressive, but in a way that's kind, right? Like. He's, he's a very fun character to have portrayed and, and perhaps not my most important character, but definitely um, one of my most beloved characters. Um, so the idea of coming back and playing Colt as an adult sounds fantastic. I would do that. I'd probably do that tomorrow. So Fingers we'll crossed. See. That would be awesome. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like Dom and I are connecting the dots between people. We just need a producer now and a director and we could bring it all together here. Right, right. You just need a producer, a director and like $15 million. So. <laughs> <laughs> Is that just your fee? Right, that's it, exactly. Just to get me on board. The rest of it, we need for production. So. <laughs> we could start a, uh, a meatball and pepperoni sandwich shop and that could, you know, to bring there it is. we could just get subway Tum -tum to sponsor tom tom sandos yeah like that. <laughs> <laughs> that's really cool well um yeah this i i know that we we don't have you for much longer so uh, and i know that you you know you got to go and inspire the next generation with martial arts um i, I there's so much more that we didn't get to touch on so hopefully we could uh you know have you on again and we could talk about the power rangers you know next time you have you know a fight that we can you know talk about and we can hear about the win that you're going to have had by that point uh that, that actually sounds like a fantastic idea as the uh as fight day comes closer we'll be doing a bit of more of a media tour um especially on on like the nerd casts like this um so for for you guys, um, make sure that you know you keep following me and stuff, and don't hesitate to to message me and be like, "Hey, remember that time where we interviewed you last time? Your fight's coming up. Let's make sure we we carve out some time for us." Because I mean, 
that, you know, I, I, I get the media can be pretty selfish from time to time. People think that like uh, celebrities are very introverted and stuff like that. Um, but when it comes to stuff like this, I mean, we're all here to help each other. So um, message me and, and remind me if I don't message you first and, and be like, hey, fight's coming up, man. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about Power Rangers. Because that's a whole nother can of worms to open. That's a lot of fun. <laughs> Especially since there's so many Comic-Cons going on now and so many Power Rangers around. It's a lot of fun. We were big uh, fans of Power Rangers growing up as well. So we definitely would love to talk about that. I have to just say as well, so you uh, you have a website and we didn't mention it because the people can buy, you know, the shirts and stuff, right? Oh yeah. So I mean I have a I have a website that um that I sell through things occasionally. Usually it's all like pre-order stuff. If you follow me on social media, you're definitely gonna get hit up with it um when I have products coming in. Um sometimes I sell custom made cult masks that are autographed um and limited edition. Um sometimes I sell, you know, nerdy t-shirts. We had this really awesome um three ninja shirt, I think it was like last year, where it was like it had all the three ninjas masks on it and it was like Mori Tanaka's Ninja Summer Camp. It was like a really cool kind of, sometimes we do stuff like that. Um, but yeah, if you go down there, it's coltranger.com. So obviously Colt from Three Ninjas and then I was in Power Rangers. So Power Rangers, coltranger.com. You can go down there. You can see what's available. I mean, things kind of go on and off. It really just depends. That's why you sort of need to follow me on social media to get the lowdown of, the, of stuff. Awesome. Well, yeah, well, I 100% will be ordering a, a autographed cult mask when they're back in stock. <laughs> that has to be on the wall in here somewhere. So, <laughs> that's, a, that's the fun one. They go quick, though, so you better snatch them up. Okay. Okay. We <laughs> work that out because I don't want that to happen. I don't want to be disappointed, Mike. Okay. <laughs> He's like, again. He's like, just take it off the shopping cart so I can't see that it's sold out. Jeez. <laughs> Well, well, thank you so, so much for your time. We'll put all of the links in the, in the description for, you know, all of your stuff. Uh, if anyone out there that's listening, or sorry, everybody out there that's listening, please follow Mike on everything. Wish him well in his upcoming fight, as we do for you as well. Dom and I will make sure we'll uh, be tuning in somehow on pay-per-view online or somewhere. Um, Everyone, please rate, review, subscribe, help spread the message of the podcast. Dom and I love to do this, to have amazing experiences like this that we've had today where we can leverage this position into talking to childhood heroes of ours. So <laughs> thank you, everyone. Dom, tell them the stuff. Uh, well, I just want to say thank you as well. And thank you for your time, uh, Mike. And obviously, uh, you're going to you're going to win your next fight, which is going to be going to be fantastic. It's going to be great, and hopefully, we we get the chance to watch. Uh, I better start training for for our one. Uh, I've got a lot of training to do, <laughs> uh, but no, uh, really good luck from from both of us uh, and uh, to all the people that are listening. Follow us on Instagram at the Mighty Nineties, uh, and please follow Mike. All the links will be uh, in in our description and on our page and uh, please leave us a review but be gentle with us and wear gloves <laughs> show me the honey steamboat lily doot, doot. don't want to raise your kids i don't even like kids his name is robert paulson you're not even a has -been. you're a never was i'm woody
Howdy, howdy, howdy. I'm gonna show you God does exist. I am invincible! Go, baby, go! Once again! I see pride! Junior! I see power! I see a badass mother who won't take no crap off of nobody! That's right! right. There's not a man today who could take me away from my God. You get licking. You're hot. It's like looking in a mirror, only not. And I don't think they give him for surfing the internet. <laughs> go, baby, go! And when everyone says it can't be done, ducks fly together. Rocky loves Emily. Rocky loves Emily. Rocky loves Emily. What's going on? Well, welcome back to Neverland Band the Man. What's wrong with your brother? Just a terminal case of the stupids whenever they're around Jennifer. Rocky loves Jennifer.